the Italian Wine Podcast is the community-driven platform for Italian wine geeks around the world. Support the show by donating at italianwinepodcast.com. Donate five or more euros and we'll send you a copy of our latest book, My Italian Grape Geek Journal, absolutely free. To get your free copy of My Italian Grape Geek Journal, click support us at italianwinepodcast.com or wherever you get your pods. Grazie mille. Welcome to The Next Generation with me, your host, Victoria Cecce. This is your podcast to learn about all the cool things Italians 30 and under are up to in the food and wine scene. And yes, that includes all the best things to eat. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Next Generation. Today we have a lovely guest, Matteo Marenda, who we pulled out of the wine-to-wine madness. I don't know if I can say voluntarily he's here, but we got him here. Ciao, Matteo. Good evening to everyone. Good morning, I don't know. (laughs) Whoever's listening, you might have a cup of coffee, you might have a glass of wine, or both, you know. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) Coffee corretto. Yeah. Uh, Better a glass of wine. For sure, for sure. And then in Veneto, it's like grappa, central, Mm. always. (laughs) (laughs) Better a glass of wine. (laughs) Okay, so as you can tell, Matteo's not from Veneto. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the grappa, but... (laughs) Ah, so what are you, besides wine, what are you a huge fan of? I'm a huge fan of talking about the food industry and wine industry or general talking. Well, in general, like if you're going to have a coffee and you have to make it corretto, what are you going to (laughs) pair? Sambuca, Sambuca. Sambuca, because he is from, can you guess? (laughs) Rome. (laughs) So, tell me a little bit about yourself. So, you just dove into your family's winery, which is in Monte... Montalcino. Montalcino, yeah, in Tuscany. Okay, but you grew up in Rome, so let's dive... Tell us a bit about you. (laughs) Let's say I've just entered the winery at the beginning of, of this summer. It's been an amazing experience, even if it's just six months, more or less. It's completely different from what I was expecting. Obviously, uh, it's my family winery, so I have uh, grew inside the, the winery, but I only saw the, the funny part, you know, the, the harvest, uh, the, the easy part. <laughs> the tough part is behind <laughs> the harvest, all the preparation, uh, the, the work, uh, and all the details that are very fundamental to, to do this job, yeah. Okay, so after seeing uh, the good, bad, and the ugly, as we'll say. Yeah, no, it's not, it's not ugly. It's just... Uh... <laughs> it, no, no, I told you, no, it's not <laughs> ugly at all. I've actually done two harvests, so I can say oh, that I've oh. done some stuff. <laughs> Definitely, obviously, don't work in a winery. But after seeing all of it and growing up in it, what made you want to go back? To the yeah. winery? Yeah. Let's say I didn't go back because I started... No, yeah, no. <laughs> I gave you too much credit, I'm sorry. No, no. Yeah. Uh, that's it. I've always lived and studied in Rome. I grew up, I was born, grew up in Rome. And um, then the, there were some decision to take and uh, regarding my future, because I study something uh, different, not completely, let's say, apart from, uh, from the wine world, because my background is in, is in finance. But I had to take some decision if uh, to keep going with the winery or maybe the, the other option was selling the winery. So I wanted to, to keep going with this uh, amazing experience. Yeah, because right now right now the, the winery is um, managed around by my grandparents. They're two lovely <laughs> grandparents, but uh, they're pretty old, even if they're in a better shape than me, for sure. But they're pretty old and they need uh, helps in uh, all the process uh, because they are literally following everything. And so went to help them, yeah. 
that's so beautiful. And so did you grow up in Rome and then visiting your grandparents in Tuscany and Montalcino? Yeah, usually during summer I was always there working, uh, helping them. Uh, but n- now I'm full-time. Okay, I'm yeah, full-time. no fun and games anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. no. But that's no, so no. beautiful. You're so blessed. That's incredible. I can only imagine how much that just, like, formed the person you are. Mm-hmm. Because spending all that time with them. Like, is there anything that you, that, like, sticks with you mm-hmm. from growing mm-hmm. up and going to those summers? Let's see, they, they didn't put any pressure in, into entering the wine. I just analyzed the situation and took my decision. Also, it was also an, an emotional uh, decision because I grew up uh, not only in Rome, but there during mm-hmm. summer. I wanted to, to keep going this fantastic experience of my grandparents. Yeah. yeah. You didn't develop like a fusion accent like a Roman Toscano. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> like everywhere I go around, they, oh yeah, you're from Rome, yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't hide that. You no, can't. no, no, no. I tr- I try to. Let's say I try to, but it's impossible. <laughs> you could be like un half and they're like what are you? Nah, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, you're no. still from Rome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's yes, yes, awesome. Yes, yes, yes. So I obviously through this podcast, it's been obvious that I love food. <laughs> I love wine. Obviously, I'm on the podcast. But mm-hmm. was there like one dish you would have growing up with your grandparents that you would only eat there because you know the cuisines are super different? There's another point that I should have mentioned <laughs> is that my grandparents are not even from uh, Tuscany. So oh. uh, they are from Piemont. Oh gosh, wow, that's another layer. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I love yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they're originally from uh, Turin in Piemonte. They were born there, they married there, and then uh, after a few years that they were married, they, they moved to Rome because of my grandpa's work. He was not in the wine industry, he was a banker. He worked for 40 years in uh, into, in Tita San Paolo, a mm-hmm. bank in, oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, in, the, in a, whole, a commercial bank. After that, for, for retirement, uh, they had to decide if to go back, so in the Barolo area, or stay close to Rome where all the nephews were born, because I'm not the only nephew. There's me, my sister, and my, my two cousins. Mm. Let's say that in the north, winter are more rigid, mm. and Tuscany, is, the winters are not that rigid, and they're close to Rome, so close to us, and uh, there was their, their, their decision-making. And uh, casually, so Montalcino area was completely casual, uh, Location. They bought the property without considering producing wine, oh, wow. just for retirement, and then uh, they started producing wine. <laughs> so when did they buy the property? <laughs> they bought it in 1980. Ah, okay. Wow, yeah. To say Montalcino is casual, now yeah. it's kind of like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh, a good casuality. In, li- in life, you, you need also to have luck. Mm-hmm. But actually, they weren't planning to... Um, produce wine they, mm-hmm. they wanted just to, to relax uh, in retirement but since they don't know how to stay you know chill relaxed uh, they're, they're another generation yeah, they're yeah. completely another generation oh, I, uh, oh, I know. They, they had to do something also to, to balance all the costs because mm-hmm. buying the property maintaining all the forest everything is costly the main business growing was the, was the wine one and they, they planted the first vineyard in 1982 uh, actually our vineyard of Brunello now yeah Oh. <laughs> we are pretty small. We are pretty no, small. No, but that's so fantastic. Also, you're—I'm still laughing internally no. about the <laughs> comment about like them keeping on going. Like my grandfather, God, he's—he passed away now, but uh, it was like he—he he worked in like real estate and like fixed apartments. So, like that was what mm-hmm. he worked towards. Mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing man. And even to like he had dementia, but you couldn't stop him. They had to take everything away from him because he wouldn't. Like yeah, he was, yeah, yeah, he'd yeah, sit yeah. at the table only to eat. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe he took a nap, 
like for like a half hour and then it was like <laughs> yeah yeah no, but it's actually the, the, the secret to to keep living <laughs> no it is it's yeah. so true like I remember when they took they started I understood why they like took the car away and stuff but I shouldn't say this but I'm gonna say this <laughs> I honestly think the worst thing that happened at the end of his life was because of the doctor's orders they took his wine away and my grandfather Good. made homemade wine Okay. For years uh-huh, in the basement. Uh-huh. Nothing special. Yeah. No Brunello. <laughs> but the minute they took it, I swear that was like, I think that's what made it just like, he, they tried to give him cranberry juice <laughs> and this guy was just losing it. I was yeah, like, you yeah, can't yeah. take his watch away. <laughs> <laughs> Another fun fact is that before starting everything, let's say with my grandma, my grandpa was even drinking any alcohol at all. Really? Really. It was. <laughs> Your grandma was a drinker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like, yeah, that's pretty and she, and she introduced him into the wine world and they, they started this experience together oh. because of my grandma in the, in the I end. I love yeah. that. <laughs> so what, why did she introduce him to the wine world? Like, For passion, because she enjoyed drinking some wine while um, actually it was because of uh, her father. So every time that uh, they were at lunch or dinner, her father had to have one glass of wine. Uh, yep. So her father introduced her to the wine world and uh, <laughs> she introduced my grandpa to, to the wine world. Yeah. Are you enjoying this podcast? Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for fascinating videos covering Stevie Kim and her travels across Italy and beyond, meeting winemakers, eating local food and taking in the scenery. Now back to the show. I can imagine growing up in Piedmont that like, especially, I mean, wine is a centerpiece of the table across Italy, but especially in Piedmont where there's more of like a longer history of established mm-hmm. winemaking. Yeah, yeah. Obviously it's changed, it's shifted, but it's more of like the quality, I would say, has more of a longer history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas like where my family's from, it's like water. Just, no. you know, <laughs> not in a bad way, like in the way that it isn't about the quality mm-hmm, at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But so that's super awesome. So you started six months ago. What yeah, are you less. doing? Everything. Everything. <laughs> Actually everything, yeah. Wow. Uh, because I'm not so specialized into the wine world, even if I'm very passionate. Mm. But uh, yeah, now I'm focusing a bit more on the technical part. Okay, yeah. so I'm doing some uh, some area courses uh, okay. to get into the technical part. But also, I'm doing everything from the tastings. Uh, I go to the cellar, vineyard. Obviously, the problem is the time managing. So I have to balance everything in order mm-hmm. to do everything. Specifically, I'm trying to focus also on a little bit developing on the winery, mm-hmm. uh, specifically on the technological part because we we're not that uh, developed. <laughs> that's my my main focus right now. So entering the winery, knowing all the process, that's very important. Otherwise, it's pretty difficult to manage something that you don't know. That's my 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 idea, my grandpa idea. So uh, I'm doing everything from wow. uh, from the scratch. So amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, he's only 27. I should have said that earlier, but. 26, but it's okay. You said 27. <laughs> Am I losing it? Sorry. He's, no. When is your birthday? Was it tomorrow? Uh, no, no. It was uh, one month ago, more or less. The 20, you turned 26. Yeah. 20, okay. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Don't worry. No, no, You're in your 27th year. Just, just kidding. You're in your 27th year. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you were caught again. It's, yeah. a, it's a, I'm 27. 27 is a fun, it's weird. It's it's a good time. You know, good time? Uh, it's okay. better than 26, I would say. No, <laughs> okay. I'm not lying. 
hundred percent better than twenty six. <laughs> okay, okay. So you have some good fortune. So good, good time is uh, is coming. It is. Okay. It is okay. coming. I know you're really stressed out right now, but next year you're going to be happy. <laughs> okay, okay. But actually, speaking of which, you're talking a bit about the marketing side and kind of bringing mm-hmm. the winery a little bit more, you know, into the present day. Mm-hmm. But what do you think is kind of missing from the marketing of wineries in Italy for the young generation? So it's a, a big, pre- yeah, it's pretty complicated as a question. I think that one of the since I'm new, I'm gonna tell my point of view, and then it's almost an outside point of view. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think that's what I love is that you just recently dove into that, mm-hmm. and that's such a big thing to take on. And I feel like we only hear documentation when people start to get success. Yeah. <laughs> so you're reflecting from a successful point, mm-hmm. but you're in the midst of the mess yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yes. exactly. So it's a difficult point, but uh, talking about marketing and uh, branding, okay, uh, let's say that we, we are in a good uh, position because of Montalcino. So whole Montalcino area has to keep going with the quality that we are giving to the market right now. We need to keep that the level. There was actually in, uh, here in the um, wine to wine, there, there was one, uh, one course, can, can I say course, <laughs> one lesson that uh, even if there are some uh, period of time of uh, crisis, we need to keep uh, going with the quality and not uh, give uh, more quantity and less quality to the market. That's, that's the main point in my opinion. Specifically, I think that one of the main success of the brand was given also by the consortium that has done a very, very good job. And uh, he needs to keep improving, uh, specifically on the marketing side, the communication. Sometimes there's a little bit of lack of communication from the consortium, even if I can imagine that's very complicated to to communicate to the whole world. But that's the the main thing that should also allocate the resources in a good way to communicate in the best way, the most efficient possible way. I understand, like the longevity, especially because it's obviously it's not like you're going to try to make a 22-year-old drink Brunello di Montalcino. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's the point. Specifically, it's, it's good to attract young generation and young people because right now, obviously, the Brunello is a high range, mm-hmm. a high price range. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I also uh, make comparison with my friends. Sometimes they're, they're scared into entering the wine world. Because they say, oh, no, yeah, I don't know anything about the wine. Yeah, I just know that the Brunello is, uh, is costs too much for me. It's the same as, uh, as another wine that uh, costs a bit less, so I'm going to buy it. That's the main key, okay? So communicate the, the wine uh, and, and say why the, the Brunello has history, mm-hmm. uh, has its quality, and uh, at the same time, uh, not be scared to enter into, into the wine world. Yeah, yeah, that's the, the main it's point. true. A price point thing is a big thing. I mean, that's another, you know, discussion with like, you know, what people can afford now and whatnot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also, like, for example, we were chatting about Rome before. It's like seeing right now there's so many bars I've opened up, especially like for natural wines and like having these like more. I can't say they're all affordably priced, but definitely not at the level of like a mm-hmm. Barolo, Barunello. Yeah, yeah. But also not allowing wines to kind of fall into these like, you know, categories, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And making places that are known classically still accessible and respected, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. like, oh, that's for the, you know, these yeah, yeah, kinds yeah. of people exactly. only. Exactly, exactly. And so is that something that kind of motivates you a bit, like with what you're doing or? About well, this topic? Well, no, no, in a, with your winery. Like, oh, my winery? Yes. Everything, everything. I mean, I see a lot of potential inside uh, inside my winery. 
I also decided to move there because right now our main business is only selling wine, but yeah. uh, there are uh, tons of things that we can do inside the winery. But uh, the things that motivate me most is during the tasting, knowing all the people coming from all over the world, New Jersey. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> More New Jersey yeah. people. <laughs> That's what motivates me. Even if I'm super tired, uh, I'm sick, I'm always happy to receive people at the winery. That's that's 100%. That's a positive energy. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. Sometimes I analyze myself while, while I'm working. And uh, I don't know, it's like uh, a click in my brain. Mm -hmm. And uh, as soon as someone arrives, I start talking. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not an interest people, okay? <laughs> Let's say that. I like to know their story. Uh, obviously, I'm going to tell the story of the winery, but then in the end also, I'm happy to know all the story from all around the world. It's Absolutely. very, very nice. Yeah. Sometimes it's not as talked about, but uh, for a winemaker and or someone who owns a winery, you have to balance those two of being in the dirt and then also being able to present mm -hmm. and really talk to people and, and communicate. I mean, you don't have to necessarily be that way, but it helps because you're constantly, you're going to have to travel and really share that animal is the yeah, soul, yeah, the spirit yeah, yeah, yeah. of your wines. And yeah, like, yeah. you are the, <laughs> it's like, it's like I'm the person, <laughs> my hands are in this. No, it's so special. Actually, I have a question for you. Yeah. So if you were, or maybe you have, tried to like sell your wine to like one of your friends who's afraid mm -hmm. how would you do it like how would you present the wine <laughs> that's a very very nice nice question let's say that i always try to since i'm i'm not very very technical i, I know my own wine mm -hmm. okay i know perfectly my own wine but the, um, the problem is that i cannot go into technicality but at the same time it's good with my friends mm -hmm. because they don't want technicality they want to feel the wine is a completely different point of view from uh, someone who's a sommelier, okay? Mm -hmm. And they are scared of uh, technicality. So I'm going to communicate the wine in an emotional way, trying to, you know, create a connection, uh, a link between uh, me and my friends. Obviously, the, the most important thing is that then once they, they've bought my wine, they have a story to tell to someone they're going to drink the wine with. That's the most important thing, yeah. Something I always think about with your wines, we don't have to go through all the labels, <laughs> but can you share with us maybe like one or two wines and like what they're perfect for? Like this is the perfect first date wine. <laughs> and then this one is like you're married for your 15 years and you pissed off your wife. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I was mentioning before that we are very small. Even if my grandpa doesn't want that, I say very small because I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but we are. We are very small. We produce around 12,000 bottles, more okay. or less, per oh, year. Yeah. We have only three labels. Perfect. Right now, four. A new zone in the winery. Ooh. So we've got a DGT, Rosso di Montalcino, Brunello di Montalcino, and Brunello di Montalcino Magistra. Talking about the, the dates or... Uh, <laughs> let's say that, for example, uh, for... And in the back and in the brackets, an easy drink with uh, with some friend of yours, and it's very enjoyable. A lot of uh, all of my friends tell me that, uh, that they enjoy because it's also easier to understand. Okay, the Rosso di Montalcino, they they loved it. Mm -hmm. They literally love it. Love the, the Rosso di Montalcino, and that's maybe for uh, an aperitif a bit more than aperitif, mm -hmm. but they really really enjoy it. If you want to to have a nice dinner with uh, an overcooked uh, meat, uh, uh, let's go with uh, or, or a good Fiorentina. Ah, oh yeah. <laughs> with Brunello or specifically the Brunello Magistra is uh, perfect. It's a perfect combo. Yeah, I could <laughs> the imagine. Perfect combo. Yeah. Uh, no, and Rosso di Montalcino is so underrated. 
it's, oh, it's such in my, a, my opinion, yes. <laughs> it's so underrated. I think it was so perfect you brought that up because I think that is the wine that gets people into Montalcino yeah, yeah, exactly. and understanding it. And you don't necessarily have to go and drink the Brunello. You may do, you may like on a special occasion one day, mm -hmm. but you exactly. can live a very happy, happy life mm -hmm. drinking Rosso di Montalcino often. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. It's very good. And uh, as you said, it's, a, it's, it's an entry level mm -hmm. to get uh, and start understanding in a better way the Brunello. Uh, how's the, the potential of, of the Brunello? Actually, I, I love the Rosso di Montalcino too, so. Um. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the Rosso, so. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so funny. I mean, we're wrapping up this uh, podcast, but again, bringing up food. I have a very specific question. Would you ever put lemon on your Fiorentina steak? Oh, those eyes told me everything. Talking, talking about me? Yeah. <laughs> talking about me? No, 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 no? Never, never. Okay. Never, I only no. had to ask because I had... <laughs> I would never. But I had a friend try to do it once, and he was so sure. He's like, my friend in this part of Tuscany do it. But then the guy at the restaurant that's Tuscan was literally livid. Like, he was like, you want to cook the meat? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I think just for now, let's put the lemon aside. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. But okay. It, you just made me think of that because like, it was like one of the last times I had a bistecca Fiorentina. And I was like, the fight almost happened, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so don't put lemon on the Fiorentina. <laughs> yeah, so get your Brunello. No lemon. No, 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 no. no. Use the acidity in your Brunello. Exactly, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to ruin the steak and the Brunello. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> we just solved it right there. Oh, my gosh. Well, we my solved the problem we solved yeah, the we problem <laughs> well Matteo thank you so much thanks for you. joining thanks us you for, in uh, the, for the, interview. the podcast booth today <laughs> and I wish you all the luck like seriously you're thank doing, you very much. awesome thank you very much thank you very much for right. interviewing me thank you <laughs> ciao guys bye bye as always a big grazie for hanging out with me today remember you can catch me on the Italian wine podcast every Sunday and anywhere you can get your pots